When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Therapy sucks, or so you thought. I know it can be a little bit awkward having to make the appointment, having to go visit someone, sit down, take time out of your day. And as busy as we all are, I can understand. It seems like impossible to do so. Fortunately for us at The Coffee Breakup, we're sponsored by BetterHelp. And with BetterHelp, you literally have access to a therapist at your fingertips. Coolest thing about them, literally, you sign up, create a profile. They'll match you with a therapist that's pretty much going to be with exactly what you're looking for. So how important is it with mental health? I mean, we got stressed throughout the day, whether it's work, life, your partner, whatever it may be. BetterHelp, you're able to have access to have to actually talk to someone about your problems that can really guide you in the right direction. I don't know about you, that's pretty important if you want to actually have like a normal life or anything, just saying. Coolest thing about us, you know, it is 10% off for all the Coffee Breakup listeners for your first month. So sign up now at betterhelp.com slash the coffee breakup. Again, that's 10% off for your first entire month. Literally no excuse. Check out for your mental health today. Later. Those are probably the red flags that we had talked about that, that we're ignoring because we're just looking for ways of connection. Correct. To you further validate soulmate. That is Even correct. if it's a bad, if, if it's what I mean. Yeah. yeah so because he's saying, oh, man, like it just clicks. Yeah. Right. So now we're looking for other ways to connect because mm. it just feels right. Yeah. Yeah. We're ignoring all the places that we're not matching. Right. 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 Because we just feel that like they should yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. So that we start correct. looking for all the connections. Mm. The, we're constantly filtering. I mean, when you're in search mode, whether or not you admit that you're in search mode, you're constantly filtering. And that filtering process, you let something in and you block other things out. Five years at that point, and now six years down the line, didn't work out, devastated. I don't know what my life means anymore. And it's like people, yeah, yeah really, really tough, which dedicate six, six years to somebody, doesn't work out, I'm feeling lost too. Oh. Dr. Heasty, Dr. Heasty, man, it's such an honor to have you back. Pleasure. Um, when I when I saw you pulled up, I was like, man, so glad this this moment came came uh, came to be about because you've been on our show twice. Yes, and you're a heavy hitter. Every time you come on, it's like crazy profound. Really? Yeah, because you just have so much. You like a well of wisdom. It just doesn't run dry, and, and um, you know your expertise. Obviously, your background, every you know everything you you talk about is just really. Uh, I just I love I just soak it all in because there's Thank so you. much truth to it, you know, and um, <laughs> stuff that I can actually apply in, in my own relationship in my own personal life as well. Sure. So thank you for being there. We we took the course with you, where uh, me and Claudia, and obviously Chris and Christina, where we of kind of uh, solidified our relationship and of kind course. of asked us really tough questions that normally we probably wouldn't have. Of you course. Know? And so. Obviously, we didn't break up. We're still here. Uh, <laughs> a lot of exciting things happening this year. I know. I know you wanted it to happen a lot sooner, but 
It'll happen. I promise you. I promise you. But that being said, thank you so much. Uh, I love how, how modest and humble you're being about this. Because someone's like, oh, did I make some sort of impact? As yeah. if you haven't done it so many times. Yeah. Right? With so many different people as well. Uh, yeah. So, because you're, I think you're one of the ones who's coined that um, not only have you had many successful relationships, but many successful breakups. That is correct. And right. I feel like that's, that's probably one of the most profound things you've ever said because we really strive to look for the way to, to be our healthiest. And, and that, that doesn't just mean like going to the gym and eating right, but it's also how can our minds be right? And, you know, what are the right things to look for kind of inner and spiritually to be overall the better human being and just a happier human being to be loved. Of course. Where ultimately that leads to the tie of finding the person that's right for you. And so many people, they try to force kind of relationships with the people that they're not supposed to be Correct. with. Mm. And it's like, well, if you break up, is it a failure? I don't think so. I it's think, if anything, that's a success it is. For, you to, for you to be realigned to the next person. That's one of the things that I've always taken away from you. It's, it's how powerful it is to be happy and to become love Correct. in order to then realign yourselves with those people who kind of create that, that yeah. energy around you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. So, welcome back, Dr. Thank Hasty. You. For those who don't know, yes, he's been here twice already. He blew us away the first episode. The second episode, I felt like we were like kind of... We're like making him proud because he yeah. goes, you guys are getting yeah, it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now to just circle back, just like to Marvin said, we've done the course with you and everything else and all the projects that you've had. Thank you so much. You're very for much being welcome. Here. I hope this is a good introduction for Dr. Hasty because he deserves every bit of it. Thank, Thank you very kindly. I, I, it's truly a privilege and a pleasure for me. And when we, when we got together the first two times and uh, we did the programs and then both of you decided along with uh, the women in your lives yeah. uh, that you wanted to undergo the program itself. And of course, you didn't know exactly what that was going to be like. And so there was a huge risk involved because one of the things that I said in the beginning was that in so many words, I really don't have a dog in the fight. Yeah. Really don't. I. The whole idea is to assess the degree to which your relationship is really healthy. Yeah. And you would determine that. And what we saw in both of you is that there were degrees of healthiness and there were degrees of unhealthiness. And what was remarkable for both of you is that those degrees of healthiness that you did find in the relationships they became progressively better. Yeah. And the ones that were unhealthy, they became progressively less. Yeah. Less. Correct. Correct. And that's the secret. Correct. That's the secret. So congratulations to both of you because since we have completed that work, not only are you still together, but clearly your relationships continue not just to survive, mm. but to thrive. And that's a credit not only to the two of you, but also to those two beautiful women of course. who share the same relationship with you. Congratulations <laughs> to both of you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. So, much. so, yeah. so for those of you who, who uh, for those that aren't aware of the program, idea, I think when we had first talked about it, it was meet to marry in 12 months. That is correct. This was kind of like a ramp-up period, if correct. I'm not mistaken, right? Correct. Can you talk to us a little bit about how that program is and what it is that you're trying to get out of it? Yeah. The idea is that you meet someone almost from scratch, if you may, Right? You meet someone and you marry that person potentially within a 12-month period. Yeah. And the whole concept is very simply that individuals and couples particularly tend to think that you need this protracted 
period, this long extended period to get to know someone. Yeah. And what the program says in so many words is myth. That's not true. And what most individuals find is in them getting to know each other, that they take too long to get to know the kinds of things about one another that they really need to know. Yeah. And so what this program does is it, it, it puts you in a position. I mean, it's very calculated, right? Yeah, yeah. It puts you in a position to get to know the kinds of things that you really need to know to help you to determine whether or not this relationship is really sustainable. Now, the truth is, no one can predict the uh, sustainability of a relationship. But what we try to assess is individuals' mindset, their attitude, their perceptions, their, particularly their values and their beliefs about commitment in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have seen time and time again over the past several years now with this program, that really within a four-month period from not knowing someone to really knowing that person, yeah. within four months, you can be very, very clear about the degree to which that relationship will probably survive over time. And then we say, after that four-month period, then what you learn to do is take what you have learned about that person in those four months and then accentuate the beauties, yeah. what I refer to particularly as the intimacies, social, emotional, financial, intellectual, spiritual, and physical intimacies. And then over the remaining, so what would that be, that eight-month period, because in the first four months, you're really assessing, is this going to work? And then in the next eight months, you look at the degrees to which it can work and you identify the areas in which it might struggle. And then you try to deal with that in that remaining eight-month period, including, if you so choose, then to become engaged and marry all within 12 months. So the, the ultimate goal is to be engaged or married by the 12-month mark. Absolutely. Yeah. And if not, would you consider that a failure? No, 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 no. Because if that does not happen, because you can get to that four-month mark, go on and continue to do the work and say, based on everything that we've experienced up to this point, we see where we need to, to extend our time to enrich the relationship a little bit more before we make the ultimate decision. Or you might very well say, we have made the decision that this relationship is sustainable, and for whatever reason, we choose not to marry at this point in time. Because marriage is, it, it's, it's, it's really a concept. It's a social construct mm. that many, and, and that's really what it is. It's a social construct that many people in the society subscribe to. Some people don't. So does marriage keep people together? Absolutely not. People keep people together. Sure. What people want to do then, for those who believe in the social construct of marriage, they choose to then remain together in the social construct of marriage as long as that relationship continues to thrive in a healthy fashion. Mm. So... 
a couple can undergo my program, for example, get to the end of it, conclude that they are a good fit for each other, and decide we will remain in a partner committed relationship indefinitely without having to be a member of the social construct that we call marriage because we simply do not subscribe to that mm. construct. Yeah. So the, the the goal is still that it's funny because I almost feel like you're talking about me as one of your uh, one of those uh, I guess members of, of that, course of that because it's true because I feel like after we did the uh, the course for me what I took from it so to kind of simplify it in in words it's it's a fast track to really identify if this person is meant absolutely for me. but what I really loved about it is that it made me understand me ah more. and I think the questions that you had asked us and the, the the exercises that you put us through it really not only shed a light on who it was that i was dating but it also made me identify what was important in my life correct to find that in somebody else that is correct and and that's what i took from it it really it it made me more secure it made me really know who i was and and i think that's what what the whole philosophy is because i realized that i understand what love is correct because I understand that me as, as as a being, that's what love is. So, that is so correct. We were talking about it with, with uh, Mr. Robert Mack the other day when we had him on. Yeah. He was talking about how happiness is what you are, right? And no matter what happens outside of you, like, I'm not going to let someone else ruin my mood or, that like, is correct. take the happiness away from me when I am happiness. That and when correct. I told him, literally, your philosophy, like, you got to watch that episode because I coined I it. I think you would be so proud of me. I will. It, he was like, man, I've never thought of it, of it that way, but it's yep. the same. It's when you are love and you realize who you are. Correct. All you do is radiate that love, regardless of what, how you treat me or how you act. At the end of the day, if I'm love, no matter no matter who it is, they're gonna receive me as that. That as is that correct. Thing. That's that what correct. I loved about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, of course. I, the 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 course in itself, I think it was so insightful because a lot of these things you don't really think about it on an everyday basis, or life gets busy, you get caught up, and then you sit back and when we're doing the virtual calls and whatnot and the homework that we had a little bit. Like, it really makes you realize, man, this person that I have, like, we do get along. Like, me and Claudia, like, we just mesh very well together. Of course. Some of the questions were, like, were, like, really, like, for us, were, like, obvious choices. Other times, we were, like, caught off guard. But, it, like, it just kind of reassured that I made the right choice by being with her. Correct. And and it just kind of showed me uh, that that I'm so incredibly grateful and, and, and lucky to be with somebody that I mesh with so well. Of course. You know? But, obviously... um you know, almost three years in now. And, and so uh, you don't, and, and you've said it in the past too, you don't f find yourself in, in happy relationships that require work. You create that's happy correct. relationships. And correct. so for me, that's one of the biggest takeaways that I've had, you know, yeah. because you do have to put in the work. You do. It's not, it's, not, it's not supposed to feel like work. And that's something correct. that I've always said. It's like, it, it just, relationships are not supposed to be difficult. And that you've said correct. it before, uh, being with somebody, yeah, sure, it's not always easy, but it's not supposed to be hard. No, it's not. And if you pull yourself through and you're with somebody and it's like it all it feels like a constant struggle and pull and tug and you, you're not with the right person. You're not. Because that's not what it's supposed to be like. No, no. Contrary to popular belief. Yes, and, of course. And unfortunately, there is this concept out there that no pain, no gain. Yeah. That is nonsense. That is nonsense, yeah. right? What is true is that the extent to which you really understand you, first and foremost, just as you said, Chris, when you understand you and when your partner understands them, 
And then when each of you understand each other in terms of your likes, your dislikes, your needs, your wants, your desires, your goals, your dreams, your aspirations, then you're able to say, given who you are and given who I am, this can be a really, really good fit for us. Mm. Let's try this on for size. That is what we refer to as dating. And the extent to which you try that on for size, really, under the auspices, under this trial period, that's very, here we go, that's very intentionally um, designed to tease out who you are and what you want and who the other person is and what they want. That, that is success. This idea of you're drop-dead gorgeous, no matter what, I'm going to make it work with you is nonsense. That is a painful thing um, because what we really want for, for us all, we want healthy relationships. Yeah. We want healthy relationships. And the dating period is one where you really should assess the degree to which the current relationship is healthy or whether or not it has what it takes to be healthy and continuously be healthy. Some relationships just don't because some people really do not mesh, no matter how much work you do. And so if you find yourself in a relationship and you're just constantly having to grind it out and grind it out and grind it out, may I make a suggestion to you? Get out. What do you what do you think it is for people that hold on so desperately who aren't able to let go, especially when they've been together for years and then they're like, well, this isn't for me or, or they don't even feel like that. It's just it doesn't work for, like it just does, it isn't working. They're always there's a lot of heartache and headache and grief, but they're like, oh, man, but we do have some amazing times or it does. I thought this was the person for me. Like I can't start over. Why do you feel like people have such a hard time letting go? And not only that, it's also f- seeing um, early relationships. Because even you'll find red flags immediately, yet people True. still choose to over to, to look over those. Correct. So that should even be easier to walk away, but it, for some people some it ha- isn't. Right. Yeah. So why is that? Several reasons. Excellent questions, by the way. One of the reasons is, particularly from a religious standpoint, for individuals who believe that God brought us together, mm. and therefore we just have to make this work, God really had nothing to do with that. God, God, just, just the idea that people have to force fit things in the name of God, quite frankly, is ungodly. It just is. Number one. Number two, when individuals are in a relationship and that thing is not working and they want to stay in it, there is really a psychological component that's operating with which they are not familiar, that they need to become familiar with, although that concept with which they are struggling is called familiarity. Stay with me here. We are familiar, particularly from childhood all the way into adulthood, we become very familiar with certain things. In some instances, even dysfunction. And so, even when dysfunction doesn't work in our best interest, if it's what we have known for the longest, that's the thing with which we become familiar. And we believe that familiarity then is the thing that we need to continuously go with because really that's what we know. 
Unfortunately, that's unfortunately, all. unfortunately. So rather the pain that I know than the unknown that where it could the be worse. Yeah, the that. fear of unknown that it may be worse, but it also could be a lot better. But they don't know. That is correct. So maybe because they're more comfortable with the pain that they're currently enduring. That is correct. That I can handle. That, I know it. Exactly. I know it. I've experienced it. There we go. And so now we begin to subscribe to these other kinds of, um, the word that comes to mind is erroneous thought patterns that says, let me stick with the devil I know rather than go with the one I don't know. Mm. This is nonsense. This is nonsense. And it becomes very difficult on the one hand because of a certain degree of familiarity that you've had with things from in the past, but also now the fear of the unknown. And you've mentioned that. At least I'm familiar with this. I know what I have. I don't know what I'm going to get. And so it is that fear of the unknown that freezes us. Again, it's fight or flight. And so in this particular case, what we do is we fight. When really what you should do is engage in flight. That that's it. That's <laughs> you it. Go. That's it. Um. Yeah. Go ahead. You want to? But Sorry. how can someone who's currently blinded or currently, I don't want to say hypnotized, but maybe just distracted and they're not able to see beyond that? What is something that they can do to maybe break out of it? Because ideally, we would want everyone to take your course. Because then they truly understand what to look for. Correct. But if they are already neck deep in the relationship and not really knowing, or maybe they're just overseeing it early on, what would be some sort of exercises, what can be done for them to kind of, hey, this, look for this? Very good question. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> There's got to be like at least a yes. nudge yeah. yes. in yes. the right direction, though. And in many instances... It, there will be people in your sphere, people in your world, who would say, why are you doing that? Like, do you see what I see? Because for all of us, there are family and friends who are involved in our lives who see things not necessarily more clearly than we do, but only differently. But even when they see things differently and they say, I see something that's different, we do not want to hear that because, again, we want to believe what we want to believe. In some instances... We will listen to family or friends or people that we know, love, and trust. And that, quite frankly, is the beginning point. Someone generally will say something to you. Now, the challenge is that even family and friends, you have to be careful because they say something to you, but in many instances, they don't want to offend you until things get too, too bad. But if things are okay, they don't want to offend you and... They might say things like, well, you know, just just work it out. Just work it out. That should be a tip right there. When someone says, just work it out, that should signal to you, okay, something is wrong here, and that person is encouraging me to look a little bit deeper, mm. but that's all they have to offer, right? That's the best they have to offer. Mm. Let me work it out. But given what I've tried to do in the past with working it out on my own by myself, that really hasn't been working. So now where do I go? I can't go to that person who has said, work it out. So let me see if I can find a different avenue. In many instances, people will then go to, particularly in the case of individuals who are religious, Mm -hmm. in most instances, they will go first and foremost to a preacher a pastor, a priest, or a rabbi. 
which can be an okay thing if that particular person has training in human thinking, feeling, and behaving, the vast majority of whom do not. Right. If the anything, vast. that seems like it'll be more aligned with doing things because God, because that of is a religion correct. or whatever. That is is that truly the right thing? That yeah. may not be. No. No, 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 no. And I think fortunately now we're having more and more uh, people of the cloth, allow me that term, to say, you know, this isn't really my wheelhouse. You really need to see someone else. You need to see some. Again, we're still having too much of people of the cloth saying, well, let me provide you with some counsel. And their counsel, quite frankly, comes from thus said the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that, not to offend anyone, that's not going to be enough. It's just not going to be enough. No more than when the person goes to the priest, the pastor, the rabbi, or another member of the cloth, and that person says, for weeks I've just been having this really, really bad pain right here. Never once has that person said, well, let me tell you about that, said the Lord. They will say, you really need to make an appointment with your physician. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. need to make an appointment with your yeah, physician. No, no medical ex- experience on that end, so why no. would you? No, no. Okay. Because unfortunately, we have, uh, in general, as a society, that we, 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 we have believed that counseling and therapy and clinical services and intervention from of a therapeutic nature is something any and everyone can do. And it simply is not true. It simply is not true. We don't believe that to be true when it comes to medicine. We simply do not believe that to be true when we're crossing over a bridge. We want to make sure that an engineer built yeah, that yeah. thing. True. But when it comes to therapy, when it comes to counseling, when it comes to addressing with uh, addressing individuals' thoughts, feelings, and emotion, particularly in some healthy fashion, then anyone can do that. And clearly that has not worked. It has not worked, and we need to change our mindset in reference to that. Yeah, because what, what I like about that, it's the fact that it, it seems like anyone should seek out some sort of help as soon as they can. And, and, and I don't even want to see it as help. It's almost like when you already start dating someone, you should already be looking for someone mm. to, to kind of guide you in that what to correct. look for yeah. if especially you don't know what to look for. That is correct. So back to what we were saying, I'm like, oh, you know, if they've been, you know, for years and they don't really see it or maybe yeah. you just started dating, you know, if there was some sort of way to say, okay, well, before I even get into anything, what is it that I should be looking for? That is correct. And I think that that's where your program co- comes uh, in. Although it seems like the program comes off a little intimidating because when they hear it, they're like, well, meet to marry in 12 months. Much pressure. I don't even, yeah, right? I feel like that that's probably what it is. However, it's almost like a challenge to identify yourself of what to look correct. for to then avoid finding yourself three in years position. later into the wrong relationship. That yeah. is correct. Correct? Yeah. That is correct. So yeah. th- it seems like this could be for anybody. It is for anybody, and it is for everyone, so to speak, right? Because you, 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 your point is well taken. Once again, everyone that I know of wants a healthy relationship. The vast majority of people don't have a flying clue as to how to get that. 
And we've been socialized in such a way, particularly in the homes in which we've been raised, in the families in which we've been raised, particularly even in the case of where there are two-parent two, two, two homes where they are married or married or not, and they seemingly get along. Again, that, that's a thing of familiarity. And so we said, well, okay, it worked for them. It can work for us. No. All we have to do is do it their way. No. There's a reason why, there's a reason why individuals, or there's a reason why we get educated in all of these different fields that we want to go into, right? Knowledge makes a difference. Mm -hmm. And it's not just knowledge by experience, but it's really calculated knowledge. Allow me to use that term, right? The idea here is we human beings, we tend to behave and function in very prescribed ways. And if we could get a better understanding of how we do that in healthy ways and someone can help us with that, we should pursue that course of study. And the, the degree to which we're able to do that, we now become more educated about not only ourselves, again, like you said, not only ourselves, but others, and we now are in a better position to know what to look for. The key here, and let me not get in trouble with, with uh, Christine and, 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 and Claudia, but given what you've exp experienced, having gone through my program and having learned that you are the love, a part of what you learn is that whether or not you remain in the relationship with the women that you're in with now, you continue to be the love no matter which relationship you're in. Correct. It's not about them. And so it is for them and having to learn that they are the love and do not have to look for you to be love. And so whether or not they're in the relationship with you, they can continue to be love. And as such, they will attract someone else yeah. who in all probability, if they get to that point where they say, hey, this isn't working, there's a better fit for them. The evidence is clear so far, that for both of you, for the four of you, it continues to work. Yeah. Because for each of you, what you've discovered is, wait a minute, I am love, L-O-V-E, and as such, I really do not need to be L-O-V-E-D. Yeah. I do not need to be L-O-V-E-D because I am love. So wherever I go, wherever I am, I am love. Shouldn't that be a comfort to, to people who are, especially if we've talked about people who aren't and they feel like they're in unhealthy relationships or they feel like they're, it's really not working because, truth be matter, there's, there's probably somebody out there who will be better suitable for you. Absolutely. And even if things are good, like we're in happy relationships, but Christina and Claudia are not the only women in, on this planet who make us happy Correct. and vice versa. Correct. So it's like, no matter in what position you are, Truth be told, you're with this person because you choose to be with that them, is not correct. because you have to be with that them. That is correct. And so if things are great, that's great. You guys are making it work. Correct. If things are bad, then you can leave because there's somebody out there who will be better suitable for that you. That is correct. So yeah, I guess it, we can touch on this 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 idea of or this notion of a soulmate because you don't subscribe to that belief, right? No. You don't think there's one person out there? Or, or, or many. Or many no, soulmates. Many. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or none. So for me, there, there, there is no soul mate. There is no soul mate. Now you might say, maybe there are many rather than none. 
I can subscribe to that. <laughs> okay, I can ground. subscribe to that. Middle ground, all right, middle ground, right? So, but again, the idea is there's no one perfect person in this world for you, and for each of you, once again, one of the reasons why you selected um, the women that you did has more so to do, particularly in the beginning, with this principle of propinquity. Propinquity. Look that up. Yeah, propinquity. I'll explain it here in just a minute, right? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, it, it's 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 the kissing cousin to approximately propinquity is the concept of you being physically and socially, emotionally close to somebody. Okay. You ended up in the relationships that you did in the beginning because of all the people in the world. Claudia and Christina were physically and socially, emotionally closest to you. Propinquity. If you were in, let's say you're in the state of Florida, if you were in Alaska, <laughs> propinquity would still be at work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably wouldn't be with Christina right now if I was in Alaska. Uh, correct. <laughs> Your point. Correct. Sure. Right, so this idea that somehow Christina, of all the eight million people in the world, <laughs> she was the needle in the haystack. Right, right, right. right, right. <laughs> Maybe oh. she was. Right, right, right. The truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is, given what you were experiencing at the time where you were. She was the best possible fit for you at the time, and given your assessment over time, she continues to be the best possible fit for you. But that's yeah. because of the choice that I'm making. That is correct. Being with her. That is as correct. As opposed to feeling forced to for whatever other. But, ha but have you never met someone? And I know you've been married for a long time, but doesn't even doesn't even have to be a romantic relationship. You have never met anybody, and it just you, it just kind of clicked. You just kind of met. Yes. Uh, some people say. That could be soulmate or just somebody that you share the same energy with. Or is but it just a big coincidence? <laughs> but you never had that? You met somebody? It doesn't yes. have to be romantic. It could be any. Like, Correct. You, you just, just feel just, like you get You just other. get them. You just Correct. feel like, you're like, have we met before? <laughs> Correct. You know? What do you think about that? I mean, this might be a little bit off. No, 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 you know, no. No, no, no. What it's right in line with what we're talking about. Yeah. The same thing would happen whether you are here, there, or somewhere else. Because we all have this human capacity. Right. We're all human. And so we have this human capacity to connect uh, physically, socially, emotionally, psychologically, intellectually. And that's going to happen with another human being somewhere in this world. Now, what we like to believe yeah. is that because it happened with this person seemingly just out of thin uh, air, there must be something super special about it. This simply is not true. I'm going to give you an example, man. Sure, sure. I have one of my one of my professors in, in college. He had said, what are the odds that you think somebody else has the same birthday as you? And they're like, oh, my God, like, my birthday out of 365 days is going to be pretty tough. He goes, okay, let's test that. He started going, this is an auditorium of like 200, maybe 250 people in, in, in here. And he goes, go, one, two, three, four. And he ended up getting up to like the sixth or seventh person, and they had, they, he already matched two birthdays. And it's like, you see, like, you, you're thinking that it's so rare that you're going to find somebody else that's going to have your same birthday. But think of how many people are in this yeah. world, number one. Yeah. There's only 365 possible days that Correct. someone can be born. 
you're going to tell me that in this classroom alone, I'm not going to find somebody else that has it. And he, he just, he stopped after that point. I think he went after one more, like, or two more people. Somebody else had mats. And yeah. he goes, you see, like, it, it's not so much of like, oh man, it's, we click. It's just, I'm sure that there's just so many people that are, that probably have very similar, yeah, yeah, that just have very similar ideologies as you. I mean, it's, I don't think it's that hard to really stumble upon someone else that you can click with. Especially, I mean, think about it. I mean, we live in Miami. Miami itself is big. Yeah. You know, just by going to the supermarket, you cross past someone is grabbing the same steak that you're grabbing. It's almost like you, you can say the smallest common and they're probably just going to understand because of, oh, okay, they also eat steak. Yeah. Does that mean that they're going to be your soulmate because they eat steak also? No, not but necessarily. I'm, yeah, okay, I'm not, no. But I uh, think that that's kind of like where, where that's like, oh, you can't just think that, oh, just because we click, they're right. my soulmate. You know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah. Am, I, am I far off? Yeah, 100% correct. I think I'm, I'm, I'm pretty spot on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100. Because we want, first of all, we want to see ourselves as special. <laughs> and so this person clicked. I mean, me and this person, that, oh, that is so sweet. That There is something unique and special, but it's not unique. Right. right, right. <laughs> it's really nothing special about that. Yeah. Really nothing, right? We're human beings. We all have this capacity to connect, and where we have also the willingness to connect. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, when you're willing to connect, whether or not you know it, you are constantly looking to be connected. Mm. You are constantly looking to be connected. At the same time, ignoring the, the avenues that aren't connecting? That is correct. That is correct. You got that? So it's really like what also, like if you position yourself like, where you're willing to to receive people, then you let people in, or That's vice it. versa. That's it. But it's almost like what you were saying. So it's like if you find something to connect on, you you look for more ways to connect that True. you're ignoring what you're not connecting on. That is correct. And those are probably the red flags that we had talked about that, that we're correct. ignoring because we're just looking for ways of connection. Correct. To you further um, validate soulmate. That is even correct. if it's a bad if if it's. What I mean. Yeah. yeah. So, because he's saying, oh, man, like, it just clicks, yeah. right? So, now we're looking for other ways to connect because mm -hmm. it just feels right. Yeah. Yeah, we're ignoring all the places that we're not matching. Right, right, right. Because we just feel that, that they correct. should yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. So, that we start correct. looking for all the connections mm. and ignoring all the, oh, he fucking, I'm sorry, he slapped his ex-wife or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but he's super nice, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. you start, like, ignoring things. And I think that's where, to your point. Correct. That we're just looking for the good things while ignoring all the bad. Yeah. Right. Which may be the exact reason why Could you guys be. shouldn't be together. Right, right. But it's very, yeah, you tell somebody that, they're going to be like, no way, this is really the person. Because they're not going to believe that. They're going to think, this Correct. is really the person for me. Correct. Even Correct. though they're probably just looking in the wrong places. Correct. So hoping to connect with anybody. Correct. Correct. So the, 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 we're constantly filtering. I mean, when you're in search mode, whether or not you admit that you're in search mode, you're constantly filtering. And that filtering process, you let something in and you block other things out. Oh. See? <laughs> and so now even as you move through it, it's this idea of, of and I come across this all the time, where um, single individuals say, I'm not really looking, but if it happens, it happens. Nonsense, you're looking. <laughs> That's nonsense. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen, right? And the extent to which we believe, well, if it happens, it, it, it was meant to be? Nonsense. No, you were looking. 
You simply told yourself that you were not looking, which is another way of you denying yourself of your own needs, wants, goals, dreams, mm. desires, aspirations. I saw this one coming. All right. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm graduating. Yeah, you're I feel like I'm getting there because you said great. it and I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah. And there's yeah. no need to do that. There's no there's 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 no need to deny what it is you want or what it is you need or what your goals, dreams, and ask. There's no need to do that. In fact, the extent to which you would openly admit, first and foremost to yourself, no, I'm looking. Now you set yourself up for greater success in recognizing the things that you are not looking for in addition to what you are looking for. True. True. Very well. When you say that you're not looking, then that kind of denial prevents you from also recognizing the things that you really do not need to be a part of. And so what ends up happening is anyone that comes your way, you basically open yourself up to, no, I'm not looking. And it comes on in. So I guess you should be looking. You should be looking. I I, I think you because know, we we'd always say this when we had started doing this podcast where it's like you need to be open. You do in the sense of like seeing you know what people I don't want to say bring to the table, but more so like what they just bring as a person. Correct. Right? Yeah. Understand what their likes are, what what they don't like, and who knows because maybe you're very closed off about something because you just don't know. You're unfamiliar. Correct. Right. We fear the unfamiliar. Mm. So until we experience it for the first time, we're like, wait. Maybe I I do like this, but I never thought of it. I never knew Correct. of it because it was never I never experienced it with somebody else. So now it kind of opens up the door of like, oh okay, like you know, this is what I truly like. Correct. And I actually don't like this. But the only way we do that is by allowing ourselves to be open to accept. That is correct. I guess looking for something. Yes. Correct. Not denying. Yes. Yes. Correct, correct. Wow. We are looking. We are looking. Now, in the case of individuals like myself who are married, which I'm not looking for marriage. But that doesn't mean that I'm not looking for other relationships that are not of a romantic nature. Ah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm constantly looking to build other kinds of companionships. Other kinds of companionships. Why? Because as a as a as a as a species, as a social species, that meaningful connectedness is of all, that's always of value to me. So what I find is that in male-male relationships, that can be a really good thing for me. So I continue to look for healthy male-male relationships. In male-female relationships, that can be a healthy thing. So I continue to look for those in their right places, if you may. Okay, sure. No interest in a romantic, quote-unquote, romantic relationship. Happily married, have been for 37 years. That door is closed. Mm -hmm. yeah. But that doesn't mean that I'm closing myself up to other human beings. That just makes no sense. Which is really interesting because and it's, I've seen, there's a lot of studies that uh, indicate that, especially for men, especially as they get older, they have less and less friends. They have less and less uh, of a social network. And that's why usually women are happier than men because they have their relationships with, you know, platonic relationships with their girlfriends and whatnot. And I was watching a study, uh, reading the studies that women who have a deceased husband, they end up being okay because they have other friends that they network with and socialize with and have Correct. other 
relationships with. But however, if that shoe's on the other foot and if, if the man is the one who survives their, their wife, they end up becoming a lot more depressed, sad, because they don't have any social infrastructure, if you might say so. So they don't have that output. So it's really interesting, and I'm really uh, happy to hear that you, you do value those relationships with, with other people. Absolutely. Um, because a lot of men, they don't, you know? And this is an unfortunate thing. Sure, of course. And this is why you will tend to see a certain trend um, with older individuals when a spouse passes on. Here's what you will see. When a wife passes on, the, 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 the husband will tend to marry within a relatively short period. Okay. If the husband passes, the wife tends not to marry. It is because of these social interactions, because of these social relationships. And so for we men, we tend to rely very, very heavily on the quote-unquote romantic relationship okay. When what we really want is relationship. Yeah. But we have been told, taught, and trained to believe that unless it is your wife, you really cannot have a rich companionship with someone else. Mm. That simply is not true. Wow. Yeah. That is not true. And so, again, we're in Florida. Go and visit some of these, uh, quote-unquote, 55 and older communities, particularly <laughs> where individuals are much older than 55. There are more women that are single and widowed than there are men. Way more. Really? No comparison whatsoever. No comparison. Because many of those women will tell you, no, me and my girlfriends get together. Me and my girlfriends, I don't need to be married. Yeah. Whereas it's challenging, even in 55 and older community, even as they get older and older and older, it's difficult to find a single man. Yeah. Because, really? he, yes, yes. Because even, even if his first, second, or third wife has passed on, he's not going to remain single. No. He's not going to remain single. Because for him, the companionship comes That's in the form of a, partner. a, a yeah. partner. Whereas for a woman, now there's another side to the narrative. One of the things I hear, unfortunately, particularly with women, whether they, but mostly when they are 50 and older, if their husband passes on, they will say, I'm not going to remarry. And sometimes it's not because they have well-connected social relationships, but it's because they said, yeah, I'll never do that again. That was a terrible experience. And that is a poor commentary on partnered relationships it's a poor commentary because if someone comes out of a relationship that's partnered and say yeah been there done that oh my god what a wreck that was i would never want to do that again yeah that's not a good commentary and more often than not women women say that yeah no i'll never get married again who needs that kind of bad treatment and that's not a good thing that's not a good thing. Men, on the other hand, no matter what the age, yeah, I'm going to get married all over again. Because <laughs> Four, we, fifth, six times. <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, right? Because for them, the experience seems to be different. So why do we have this difference in perception 
That's a whole nother podcast all by itself. But we'll get to that, right? Because, again, it has to do with to what degree do these individuals really know and understand each other before making that commitment called marriage. And in most instances, listen, the fact, 4%, 4% of all married individuals receive premarital counseling, 4%. And the vast majority of that 4%, 90% of that 4 in fact, better than 90% of that 4% that receives marital counseling does not get counseled by a true professional in terms of someone in the helping profession, a psychologist, a psych, not even a psychiatrist, but a psychologist, a therapist, a licensed clinical social work. That does not happen. The vast majority of that 4% is really counseled by a religious hmm. professional. And so individuals are really not being prepared as they possibly could for healthy relationships until death do us part. And in some instances, people are just waiting for the death for us to, (laughs) unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, It's interesting because I, when we took the course, like me and Claudia, we took the course uh, just a little bit ago at at this point almost, there was a, I knew somebody who was interested and they may have reached out to you in terms of requiring that service with with uh, in their relationship, but they were like, oh, we don't want to, like, it's a, too much of a hassle, blah, 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 whatever. They don't want to do it. Fast forward, guess what happened? Mm. It didn't work out. Mm. It didn't work out, and, and essentially it just prolonged everything. Like, yeah. So going on, I think, yeah, five years at that point, now, now six years down the line, didn't work out, devastated. I don't know what my life means anymore. And it's oh, like really? people, yeah, really, really tough. Which you dedicate six six years to somebody, it doesn't work out. I'm feeling lost too. Oh, you not know? only lost, yeah, but angry and bitter. Right, devastated, angry and bitter right. and devastated. Particularly women. Yeah, particularly women. Right. Well, we've talked about this. I mean, how women, because I guess they ha- they do have their their prime years. Can we say Correct. that? Correct. You know, when it's like Correct. I just dedicated all these years to you and then now i gotta start over and it's a process right now i gotta grieve i gotta heal i gotta move on gotta meet somebody else gotta get to know them at that point i really gotta meet to marry in 12 months because i, <laughs> I ain't got no i ain't got no time <laughs> that is correct that is so correct. uh Funny. you know uh, for, for women i think it could be a lot harder right it is harder and and i what 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 i'm finding in the work that i'm doing is it is particularly hard well, let me back up. What I'm finding in the work that I'm doing is particularly for a lot of African-American women, they find themselves in a pickle. They find themselves in this pickle because they spent a lot of time initially focusing particularly on career progression. And after getting a really, really good career, now they want family. And so in their late 30s, going into 40, early 40s, but more often than not late 30s, they find themselves in relationship and they are struggling. Again, not marriage. They're struggling. And so they often get referred to me. And what I find is there is more pressure being put on the relationship because of that clock ticking. Mm. 
And if I then do what I do and I see that the relationship really is not a good fit, that unfortunately becomes a huge challenge for a lot, particularly for women, and understandably so, understandably so. Now, I find it to be quite different with younger women of any race or ethnicity, because then time is not so much of the essence. But for those late 30s, there's a lot of pressure being put on that relationship to make a decision because what they want is to marry, they want to have a family, and... I mean, I've had to say to a number of people, mm, this is not going to work. Yeah. It's not going to work. And unfortunately, in some instances, I've said that, and people ignored that, yeah. and the hard way. things are not going well. Yeah. Do you think that, um, what's your take on, on like, uh, I want to say modern-day feminism, in the sense that they they kind of tell women like, hey, you know what? Like, don't rely on a man. Like, go out and get a job. Make sure that you're very successful. But based on what you just said, you know, because we're all basically grinding, you know, basically right out of high school Correct. through our 20s, trying Correct. to establish something within our 30s. And even by then, we're still working maybe all the way until our 40s to really establish ourselves, especially now with this economy, it's all over the place, right? So then if someone is now taking those prime years that we talk about, to focus on their careers, and then now, okay, I'm in my 30s now, and I'm ready. That seems like it challenges what you're saying of when we should focus on really building these relationships. No? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you should do it sooner rather than later. The other thing is, there is no reason why a person cannot be in a healthy relationship and work on their career at the same time. Okay. So... My recommendation would be that, particularly if you are in your late 20s, your late 20s, start finding that person you really would like to be partnered with in your late 20s. Yeah. You and that person can come into a partnered relationship and you can decide that it's going to be just the two of you without any kids for a while because what you really want to do is focus on career development and maturation. And the extent to which you have a good fit with each other, those goals, dreams, and aspirations are actually going to be supported. Where both of you are doing what you need to do to focus on your career while still building a healthy relationship. And after several years of being in that partnered relationship where it continues to be healthy and your career is doing well, if you then choose to move into this place of extending your companionship, either in the form of marriage or even if you marry earlier on and you're now going to add on with kids, you're good, you're good. But this idea of waiting until you're in your late 30s to start finding someone, that's late. That is late. That is late. <laughs> and the challenge with it, particularly for women, is even in your late 30s, a lot of the quote-unquote available men, they're taken. Right. They are taken. And so what's going to happen is you're going to end up with what you didn't want in the first place, which is in many instances... 
either a guy who is divorced or a guy who has a couple kids. Yeah. You know, wait, go, go, no, you go, you go. I have to look for a post. Go ahead. Go. Okay. But do you, have you ever come across this? There's apparently uh, some sense where a large pool of women, the majority of women, they really go after a minority pool of men, whereas they want, they have a lot of, of I, guess, I don't know if I want to call it criteria, but preferences and, 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 sure. and uh, set of standards, I guess. Sure. What, what, what they believe have to make X amount of money, be this amount of tall, et cetera, et cetera, work this field, et cetera. But it's like it's a very small pool of men that Correct. would fit into most women's criteria. So Correct. it's like you have all these women fighting for a very, very small pool of men, which would mean essentially means so somebody's losing here. Correct. Right? Statistically <laughs> speaking, y y you know, like you all can't date the same guy. Or Correct. Maybe sometimes they do. But if you want to be in a health relationship with just one, one person, something's got to give. Yeah. What would you tell to a lot of these women where it's like statistically speaking, it's not possible for you to date this person? Yeah. You say someone loses, and in, and in that instance, two groups of people lose, both men and women. Okay. What we have seen, particularly in the past 30, 35 years, is women outpacing men in attending and graduating college. Right, right, right. Sure. So now we have a lot of women who have attended and graduated college, and what is true is that earning a college degree tends to put you in a different financial bracket. If not immediately, if you continue to progress in the work that you do, there's greater promotion opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. So let's assume for a minute that coming right out of high school, you, you're a woman and you attend college. And let's say um, 18, four years, five years, uh, which makes you now 23, you have your baccalaureate degree. You are going to focus on your career, two, three, four, five, six, seven, whatever the number of years is. Now you're advancing, not only, well, you've already advanced academically, now you're advancing financially. Mm -hmm. You get to the point where you are, let's say 30, 30, and your income, for the sake of discussion, let's say is... 70 grand a year. Some gentleman is interested in you. And one of the things a lot of women is saying, mm, yeah, I'm not taking care of a man. In fact, I want a man to take care of me. What is beginning to happen, many women are saying, because this thing got turned upside down. So now a lot of women say, I don't need you to take care of me, but I'm not going to take care of you. So bring something to the table. But if, if I may, I've seen instances where even some women are like, listen, I'm making good money. I'm now, you know, I do my hair, my nails and all these things. I'm taking care of myself. But Correct. now because we're in a relationship, now you need to take care of those things that I was originally taking care of. Yeah. Yeah. And most men are not going to be able to do that. Yeah. Most yeah. men. Are, so which now brings oh. it to that small pool of men <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. who are in a position to do that. That small pool. So now you have a larger pool of women with a smaller pool of men, yeah. and that larger pool of women is now looking into that smaller pool of men. So what's going to happen? Many of those women are not going to, quote-unquote, match with that smaller pool. Right. Because the men in that pool, most of them, or most of the women who are looking for men in that pool, they don't quite fit in that pool. They don't. They don't. So you have a lot of women who, for example would say, I'm looking for 
a man who's going to be bringing at least eighty to hundred thousand dollars a year. The man who's bringing up eighty to hundred thousand dollars a year. Now he's he's few and far between, and in most instances he's bringing in way more than that. But the man who's bringing in eighty to hundred thousand dollars a year, in all probability, he's already in a relationship. He's already in a relationship. So he, he's unavailable. He is unavailable. Yeah. He's unavailable. So now you have this large pool of women who are saying, well, men are just not measuring up. <laughs> yeah. Men are not measuring up. And so they're looking to this small pool of men to select. And unless you're going to have a polygamous society uh, where, uh, uh, where, where, where these men say, yeah, I'll take all that come. Well, most women don't want that. Yeah. Right. They want monogamy. Yeah, 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 no. So, so what do you want? Yeah. So what do you want? <laughs> right? So what do they do? They have to open up the pool. They have to open, let men in who make maybe $50,000 a year. Correct. That's the only way? No, Correct. that's the only way. Correct. Correct. So those women now um, need, to, need to be able to say, listen, what's of greatest value to me? Is not your pocketbook. I mean, you can't be broke, but what's of greatest value is your character. Not that that should be any different in the pool that makes even more. Sure. But what I'm looking for is a partner who has the kind of character that will then enrich the relationship that we're going to be in. That's what I'm really looking for. And in many instances now, you have a lot of women who are saying, baby, I bring home the bacon. That's good. We're good. Do your thing as long as we're a good fit. Because that's now the new norm. That's the reality. Unfortunately, what we see is a lot of men who now want to be taken care of and almost feel a sense of entitlement because <laughs> these women out here in this larger pool... It's no one for them. So a quick break to talk about our sponsorships. AG1, we just got a, a partnership with them, and it's been amazing. Uh, how has it been going for you? Man, AG1 is awesome. I've been taking it for a little bit over a month now. We both have. And first thing in the morning, it's super quick to take. It's it's a kind of all-in-one package. Uh, you, it's a powder form. It makes the water nice and cold, good, good tasting, and uh, it gives you everything you need. helps you with energy, helps you with with your gut, health, and immune system. I mean, overall, it's a great product. Yeah, my favorite thing is I, I take it in the morning as soon as I wake up. That way, on my way to the gym, um, I'm already getting the, the fuel that I need. And one yeah. thing that I really like about it is that it doesn't upset my stomach as it would if I'm taking a whole laundry list of vitamins. Yeah. So it really starts my day with literally everything that I need to, to get right. And what I like about it is that as soon as I take it in the morning, it's almost like a mental check for me to say, you know what, I'm doing something for me. Because I know that, I mean, if you think about it, you wake up in the morning, you go, you just go straight to work, you don't really eat anything, so it's like, you don't have anything in your system. At least with this, you know that the first thing that you do every single day is that you're taking care of yourself. It's a full replacement of all these other vitamins and minerals and everything that you could be buying individually that's going to cost you an arm and a leg. So for literally one price, you're literally getting a full array of nutrition in a pack in a scoop whatever you want to do and fortunately for us we do have the sponsorship that with ag1 it not only are you getting like the whole the whole subscription yep. of it but we're also including five travel packs as well as a year supply worth of the vitamin d for sure so and that's the, pretty awesome yeah the vitamin d or the drops so you can just take one or two or three or four drops depending how much 
uh, you want to take. And you just, in the morning too, super quick. And what I love about the fact is there's not a bunch of pills that you have to take, which is what you were exactly. saying earlier. It's just like one scoop, a couple of drops, and that's it. Ready to go. Yeah, and, and I've also noticed that just throughout the day, I just, I, I don't know if it's a, like in my head that I'm taking it or, or if it's the fact that it's actually working, but I want to believe that it is because I feel amazing when I'm doing it. I feel more efficient. I feel like my stomach is also responding better to things when I eat. Mm, yeah. um, my energy levels are also better. And again, it just, it really sets the tone for the rest of the day when I take this. So fortunately for us with this partnership, um, if you want to take ownership of your health, you know, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Um, in order to do so, go to drinkag1.com slash the coffee breakup. Again, that's drinkag1.com slash the coffee breakup. Check it out. Oh, okay. So they were like, dude, there's a lot of options out there for me. So supply and demand, I guess. <laughs> supply and yeah. demand. Supply and demand. It's true, it's true. Whereas in the past, the s- supply and demand was on the other side because true. you had a lot of women who were not going to school. They were looking for uh, uh, financial security. And then even if those men were not going to school, many of them were going to school, but even if they did, they were coming out of school and getting very good jobs, high-paying jobs that could take care of, a family. of that family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That has changed. Well, nowadays, everything's so expensive. It's like a lot of times you... you even making $80,000 a year in a big city is not even enough, especially no, if you not. have kids and whatnot. You do need p- two, two, a two-parent income, two-household income. Mean, put it this way. What is it that, that there, was a, there was a report that said that you needed um, $140,000 to $150,000. Both of you have to make like a partner. I think I saw that, yeah. I mean, individual, maybe. I guess the same thing. So you would need like about one hundred and forty dollars to $150,000. Like, do you have to make that annually as an income? In order to qualify for like a mortgage in today's economy, and no debt, and yeah, with zero with debt, zero so debt. Yeah. that will do the math. It's either one person at one fifty, you got eighty on one side, seventy on the other. But the fact that you is that you both have to be making significant amount of income, yeah. In order, so if that's the society that we live in today, it's almost like we have no other option but yeah. to have to make more. Yeah, it's tough. It is tough, but then it's like it's crazy to hear like a lot of these people talk about like oh like that I want to be taken care of like. For a woman to say, like, oh, I got my man needs to take care of me. And it's like, dude, I can barely take care of myself. Correct. You know, I got to take care of us. (laughs) It's almost like a shame because it it sounds like when most women are a little bit younger and I guess they're they're saying that like, oh, well, I want to date up and I'm making this money and they need to take care of me and all these things. It's almost as if they reach a 30, 35, maybe even 40 year mark where they didn't find somebody Mm -hmm. because they chose not to. Mm -hmm. Now now they're saying like, look, I don't even care what this guy looks like. I just want him to be nice (laughs) to me, you know? So why is it now that you've, I guess, exhausted all this time that you're like, you know what? Now let me start thinking of what's really important while for the last 20 years, perhaps, you were looking at the wrong things. That's it right there. That's it right there. The thing that's really important to you, you either were unaware or you ignore or dismissed. And now that it has become really important to you, it's almost, um, what's the term, elusive. Mm, yeah. It's 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 almost difficult to put a hand on, and really, there's only one person to blame for that. It's the person you look at in the mirror, <laughs> yeah. right? Because then yeah. it's like you're 40 years old, and a lot of guys maybe not be interested. They, they yeah. that's sailed. the reality. Of yeah, it. yeah. We want to be blatantly truthful. Yeah, yeah. A lot of 40 yeah. year old guys are married, or 
they want to date somebody who's maybe 25 years old. That is oh. correct. What do you think about that? That is correct. Yeah. So you, know? you 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 do have that. You do have a lot of 40-year-old guys or 30 plus who will date a younger woman. Why? She has more time. Oh. But do you think now that those women who are in their 20s, knowing that there's those 40-year-olds looking for them, right? Now they're saying, okay, well, if I look pretty and, you know, I can be, I don't know, submissive maybe, I can get recruited by one of these guys. But the problem is that if they ultimately don't, now you get into the age of like 30, 35. Because at that point, look at Leonardo DiCaprio. He doesn't date anyone over 25 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyone who's in their early 20s are like, wow, I'm dating Leo. What if I can break, you know, break that threshold of 25 yeah, and yeah. actually be married to him, you know? But then you don't. You're now 26, 27. Now no one, like you start lessening the pool of the people who are interested. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, well, you wasted your time. Trying to convince Leonardo DiCaprio that... He wants to marry you? <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. So like, yeah. what happens then? Yeah. And what I find is that there are a lot of those 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27-year-old women who says, yeah, I'm not interested in dating right now. I'm focusing first and foremost on my education uh, and my career. <laughs> oh. Okay. I see that. Right. So everything just got delayed. Yeah. And then yeah. just delayed it even more until the point where they're like, yeah. well, yeah. I, got, I don't have any more time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, true. Now, once again, if you want to focus on your or your education uh, up to about 22, 23, 24, more power to you. Yeah. yeah. But really, once you start in that professional world at 23, 24, 25, it's time for you to begin to focus, particularly if you're interested on partnered relationship. And something that needs to come across to our society is that not because you're in a relationship necessarily, quote unquote, early, does it mean that it must be marriage or it must include children? No, no. I really want to invite people to think of what I like to refer to as the diamond approach to life, right? Uh, so that life takes on the complexion of a, of, 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 of a diamond. So you start here with two people in a relationship at the bottom of this diamond, and as time moves on and progresses out, that's where you're going to add to your union in the form of children, but eventually it'll be the two of you coming back together, just the two of you. Right, the which we talked about that. Oh, <clears throat> the diamond. It is a diamond. It is a diamond. And so you come into a healthy relationship relatively early, let's say late 20s, and you nurture and mature that and grow that. And by the way, that's a time that I recommend that as a couple, that's when you travel your fathers away from home while you're young and yeah. viable, and you travel your fathers away from home. You really can enjoy that. So you do not have um, the kids necessarily with you. You have greater flexibility. It's cheaper for just the two yeah. of you. You travel your, travel, travel your largest distance away from home very early in your partnered relationship. Sure, sure, sure. And then after having experienced that together, you decide, well, now we really want to add on to our family. 
and for several years because it's going to be a significant period. Yeah. It's going to be anywhere. It's it's going to be at least an eighteen year period, and this is where the this is where the diamond really kind of broadens out, right? And that's eighteen year period right here, right in the middle, is where eighteen, and that's just with one child. Right. If you have two, it's going to be, you know, twenty. If you have three, it's going to be twenty two. So that 22-year period as a couple, you're, you're, you're continuously nurturing and growing that relationship. But eventually, the, the nest is empty. And it's just the two of you yeah. who continue to travel together in this relationship. Well, you, you've always said it that it's, um, well, it also ties, ties into what you had said earlier of, uh, uh, you know, when you have a child, to, for who do you have the child for, right? And at the end of the day, I mean, they are going to leave the nest, as Correct. you said. And then it's like, well, what do we do then? Like, who do you pick? Do you pick your child or do you pick your significant other, right? Cool. I had actually asked, um, I did a poll on, on Instagram a, c- a couple of weeks ago. And, and I had asked, who comes first, the family who raised you or the family you're building, right? And I never really checked the results until now. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, 86% of people said, B, the family you're building, okay. which I was surprised. I'm very surprised to hear that. Because um, me firsthand, sometimes I feel some challenges, um, because I feel like maybe I come second when it comes to the family. And I don't think it's done on purpose, but I've always thought your philosophy. Correct. Well, you know, because if I'm trying to build a family, it's not that I'm abandoning my old family. Correct. But I got to focus on the one I'm building with the person I'm with. That is correct. And it almost seems like that diamond where it's like, okay, now we're focusing, you know, we have the child, we're raising the child. Correct. But eventually... We got. We're gonna come back. That is correct. Because this child is not gonna stay here forever. No, you know, you don't want them to. So then, I'm actually very surprised with these results because I was. I guess I just got so used to. I was familiar with the family being chosen first, like the one that raised you, rather than the one you're creating. What do you think? I think it's also about the verbiage that what you're putting. It's like, oh, the family that I'm building. But if you if you were to do the same poll as who comes first, your mother or your wife. People will be like, "Oh, my mom." I comes never posted it. this. Right. Maybe we should. I'm gonna. I'm gonna post. I it think right it's now. the verbiage, yes. right? Because people, I think, because your wife is the family that you're building. That is correct. But people if you hear mom and wife, or mom and daughter, uh, or, or wife and daughter. I feel like it just people just look at it or differently when it of when course. they see it. Of course, but, it, but it's but it's true what you're saying. It's like yeah. this is my family. I'm building a family with that you. That is correct. You know, like I love my mom dearly. My dad, Absolutely. whatever. Doesn't take anything away with it. Absolutely. We've talked about this, but this is my wife now. There you go. You know what I'm saying? That, that this go. is my life that I'm building. Okay, so I'm gonna ask who comes first, your significant other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'll put in uh, like it could be wife, uh, husband, girlfriend, whatever. husband, par- partner, mm-hmm. yep. etc. Yep. Or your your mother, your parents, your parents, 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 your parents. Yeah. Okay. Or your parents mm-hmm. we're gonna put this as a poll we'll let you know what those results are probably by the time this episode comes out we might have actually the results yeah sure. to show the difference yeah, yeah, we'll email but it to you, but good point good. yeah we want to go ahead and see because again i just felt like i guess in my particular situation i've always had to like a challenge with the the family aspects and, and, I'll, and I'll give you a very like quick example it could be something as simple as um there's a family group chat and then i'll just maybe laugh at something that someone else maybe made a, a bad comment on I get in trouble for laughing at the bad comment, right? But God forbid that they make a bad comment and someone laughs and it's about me. I got her laughing at those comments. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, 
I don't understand. So yeah. now you think it's funny when they're doing it to me. Right. But God forbid I don't even make the comment. I just react to someone else's comment. Correct. I'm getting dragged through the mud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the so stepchild. So I feel like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. It, it. Family is important, of course. Family is important. And for each of us, for each of us, the, 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 there is this sense of belongingness, which, quite frankly, we should never u- lose. Mm-hmm. I have four siblings. Fortunately, both of my parents are still alive and doing and doing well. Okay, awesome. But my wife and my two beautiful daughters, who are also pretty, <laughs> they're always first. Yeah, they're always first. And my parents endorse that. My siblings endorse that. Yeah. Just recently, I had a conversation with one of my sisters. She said, hey, I'm thinking about something. I think this would be good for all of our families. Uh, what do you think about it? And I said, I think it's a great idea. Uh, let, me, let, me talk with, um, let me talk particularly with my girls about it. My wife and I are on board, but let me talk with my girls. Spoke with my girls, and they said, yeah, not for me, dog. <laughs> and I said to my sister, my girls are not on board. So we out. One word response. Understood. Okay, okay. yeah. Understood. Right? Because what she recognized is that as much as I love her as my sister, I'm not going to choose her over my wife and daughters. That's not going to happen. Why? Because I need to maintain the integrity of that unit. Because in so doing... I am teaching my girls how to do the very same thing when they have offspring of their own. That is so powerful. But but are, are there instances where, because some people might say like, well, there's exceptions to everything. What if the request that your daughters are doing or vice versa is unreasonable or is very reasonable and either side, your, your daughters may say, no, not happening. And it's something as simple as, I don't know. Spending coming over to a birthday or something like that, right. but it just doesn't align with the date or whatever. Do you ever say, "Well, are, are you ever looking at it objectively? Like, this is not a b- bad request. You know, my daughter, my sister is just asking me to do this. My daughters don't want to do that. Like, or do you just say, like, you know what? They're my daughters. Doesn't matter what it is. If they say no, it's a no, right? Excellent. Because there are they, are there boundaries? Are there limits? Excellent question. Excellent question. There are always boundaries. There are always limits. Because one of the things that I will challenge my wife and my daughters to entertain is what's reasonable. Ah, okay. So if my parents or my siblings make a request of me, and I think that is a reasonable request, and I ask my wife and daughters for their input, I'm really looking for them to provide me with an argument that would suggest to me that what you're considering is not reasonable because not only is it not in our own best interest, it's not in your best interest at all. Okay. And if they can show me that what what has been asked of me is not a reasonable request, then the scale tips in their favor. Okay. If, on the other hand, if it's a reasonable request that's being asked of me, and if my family does not agree with that reasonable request, and it's something that I can do without causing hurt, harm, or danger to them, 
yeah, then I go with what reasonable request that's being made of my parents and all my siblings. So, so there's always a stipulation saying that because you, at the end of the day, you're the person who makes the decision. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Because let's say if my partner says, I don't want you hanging out with this person or with these, per- these people, and then maybe that's a really good friend of mine. Correct. And I'm like, why, why do you not want me to spend time with this person? Correct. Is there a reason? Is there some type of Correct. incident I don't like that happened? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I just don't like him. Yeah. I've known him for 10 years. You don't. You just don't like him, so you just want me to cut off an entire relationship. That may not sound reasonable to me. Correct. So then now I have to assess: Is this really what I want to do? That right? is correct. That is correct. And yeah. and and um, the best lens through which you should look at this thing is the one word called selfishness. Is anyone being selfish here? Is my family being selfish in making a request? Yeah. So parents and siblings, or is my family of? the family that I built, are they being selfish? Because really you never want to give into selfishness. And you want everyone to understand that we, we by nature, we are selfish. But we want to put that in check. We want to put that in check. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah it does. For sure. I don't know, and I gotta have a conversation with Miss <laughs> over here to see what what, what happens next time. Yeah, 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 I get it. true. I wanted to kind of come back a little bit to um kind of the the course that we did with you. Yes, and um because I feel like that was a real eye opener for us um on what it was that we needed to not only look forward and and I don't want to say so much look forward in our partners, but really clarify what it is to, that we want to look forward into ourselves. Correct. To then be that for for the people that we choose to be around. Sure. And. I want to I wanna give you a little bit of like, uh, kind of ruffle your feathers a little bit because you almost motivated us a little bit to really create this actually, which we'll go to in, in a little bit. But this yeah. was a card game that we created in order to ask questions that went beyond the, what's your favorite number? Correct. What's your favorite color? All the other BS that we asked that really has nothing to do. Correct. Because to your point, relationships, when they start, they're started off of what? Could be some vanity, maybe Correct. red flags that are being overlooked. Correct. So then we we kind of got together and we, we created a set of questions that you would ask your significant other. And this could be someone that you just started dating. So these are questions that you want to filter out to make sure you can really understand the person a little bit deeper. Um, but also, if you're in a long-term relationship, it's almost like, well, you should know these answers by now. And I think it's very important because a lot of people oversee or they overlook what it is that they should be looking for Correct. in relationships. So in your course, obviously we took it, but for those who maybe are like, man, what, what is it these guys talk about? What are things that you highlight and what are the kind of conversations that you've created in order for the people who are taking your course identify the right questions and the right things in, in other individuals? Excellent question. I can tell you a few that we've done. I remember attachments was, attachments house was a big one. Huge. Finance for me, the finances one was a big one for me. Of course. But, if you could share. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's the model look like? So we, we and I like to uh, talk about intimacies. Mm-hmm. And I speak very specifically of intimacies because I think in many instances, if not most, when we, when we, when we hear or use the term intimacy, only one form of intimacy comes to mind, and that's physical intimacy, right. yeah. which often um, includes sexual intimacy. When I speak of intimacies, it's the the intimacies, the definition is the extent to which a couple understands, believes, 
and buys into the philosophy mm-hmm. of one another. So now we look at the degrees of intimacies. So we're going to leave physical intimacy for a minute because so one of the first intimacies that we look at is social intimacy, okay. social intimacy. So there needs to be questions early on in the dating process about social intimacies. So when dating someone, you really need to ask, if you and I are in a relationship, to what extent, if any, would I need to disengage with friends that I've known for a long time? To what extent do I need to not interact with the boys or the girls? Would it be okay for me to take a trip with friends without you being there? These are the social intimacies. And it is important for healthy relationships to understand it is okay for one person or the other to be separated from that person for a period of time while they pursue some of their goals, dreams, and aspirations. So if one of the aspirations is, hey, I graduated a few years ago from high school. There's a small group of us uh, that really just wants the 10 of us to get together once every three years and do some things. Would that bother you if I were to do something like that? And if the person says, no, in fact, that's something I really would encourage. That person is now socially intimate. But the approach, I think, was everything. Mm. Would it bother you mm-hmm. if I did something like that? Correct. As opposed to, well, listen, this is what we do every three years. You're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah, no. Yeah. No, no. Which I feel like I mean, that's, that's what aggressive. most people yeah. come across because yeah. they don't know how to approach. Correct. The situation. Right. It's all in the approach. It is, yeah. It's all in the approach. Delivery. Because particularly in the day, when you're dating, when you're dating, there's no need, there's no need to be dogmatic. There's no need to be dogmatic. Because if you have already established your own philosophical boundaries, then you're just going to simply allow people to see where you are. And so that's why you ask the question, would it bother you? Would it bother you? It makes it easy for that person to say, yeah, that would bother the daylights out of me. (laughs) At which point you then say, check. Right. Check. Now, before I go any farther, I'm very interested in your cards. Yeah, we'll play a little bit. We'll we'll go through. We'll go through. Um, Because I would strongly encourage Things like that. Yeah, for sure. Where, where, where uh, even on a first date, some of these cards are being used yeah. where uh, individuals are able to literally make a checklist in front of you, if not just a mental note. Correct. So social intimacy is one of those. And that's the way you would approach social intimacy. Emotional intimacy is a huge, huge piece. So one of the now when you all did emotional intimacy, one of the ways we did it was with um, the attachment style inventory, where I administered the attachment style inventory. It yielded three scores to indicate the extent to which you were avoidant. I think was one avoidant. Yes, 
and um, avoid uh, secure. Third one is anxious. <coughs> anxious. Anxious. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so that. The good thing about the um, attachment style inventory, and for those who are uh, watching this podcast or listening to it, if you're not familiar with the attachment style inventory, look it up. And if you don't know how to administer it, find someone who will help you with it, particularly if you're in a dating relationship, even if you're in an already partnered married relationship. But if you're in any kind of partnered relationship, have someone do the attachment style inventory to help you better assess the extent to which you are either secure, avoidant, or anxious in that relationship. Because the beauty about that particular instrument is that not only does it say who you were during the developmental years, but based on who you were in terms of your security, either securely attached, avoidantly attached, or anxiously attached, it has what we call predictive value. It will predict who you will be in a partnered relationship. Mm, correct. Now, the interesting thing about that and the exciting thing about it is once you, once you have those scores, and let's say, for example, and the scores, by the way, they range from 6 to 30. And ideally, you want your, you want your secure score, your score on secure attachment to be 30. But let's say for whatever reason, your secure attachment score is 22. The good thing is that there are things that you can do to move that score from 22 to 30. Yeah. There are things that you can move your score of 18 in avoidance and anxiety from 18 to 6 because you want those to go in the opposite direction. So the more secure you become, the less avoidant and anxious you become. And the truth of the matter is, the less anxious and avoidant you become, the more secure you become. Yeah. And so we then look at not only social security, I mean, um, 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 social intimacy, mm -hmm. but we look at emotional intimacy. And by the way, let me say that in the years that I've done this, if there is one, if there, if, 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 if there is, is, is one indicator, um, that helps me to understand the extent to which a relationship is going to thrive or thwart attachment style inventory. Wow, it's the biggest indicator. Biggest indicator. Every time, without a doubt, there's one more, and I'll mention that here in just a minute. So the attachment style inventory is the biggest indicator. Now, what's interesting is not the score itself. What's interesting is how the couple responds to the scores that they get. What I mean by that is if they are not securely attached, but then they are looking to do some things to become securely attached, that's a good indicator right there. So the score is only going to reveal what is. Based on that revelation, you get to say what you want it to be. It shows you opportunity. That is correct. That is correct. And this is one of the biggest things um, about this whole kind of approach. Whether I do it or someone else does it, the whole approach about getting relationship coaching and premarital counseling shows you not only where you are, but where you can be and whether or not you want to do something about that. So let's assume for a minute 
that when you all did the attachment style inventory, which, by the way, not only were your scores good, but both of you and all four of you wanted to do something about that because your score was not perfect, but you wanted to get to that point. Of course. If I'm working with someone and working with a couple and the score is not good, but then they say, is there a way for us to change that? Because we certainly would like to change that. Boom, check. That's a good indicator. That's a good indicator. Alternatively. Alternatively, if the scores are not good and one or both of them says, nah, something's wrong with the test. <laughs> or they start pointing fingers. Or they maybe. start pointing fingers. Yeah, that's well, that's because of this. That's because of this. Yeah. I'm not securely attached because, you know, Marvin just, he, he just wouldn't measure up. Like, as much as I try to tell him and talk to him, it's like, oh, my God, when is this man really going to wake up? Okay, yeah, check. Now, should you leave the relationship immediately then? No, no. Opportunity. 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 Because this is where you okay, all right. Claudia, do you have any idea what you just did? Yeah, I told you about Marvin. Mm. Yeah, no, you blame Marvin for the person you are. When in fact, in all probability, you were who you were before you even met Marvin. That, that's the work that gets done. That's, that's the kind of work that needs beauty. to, that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. That's the in-depth work in the intimacies. That's literally like perfect of what I was trying to say in much fewer words. <laughs> Because it's true, it's everyone I feel like is always looking to blame somebody else Correct. for their problems. Correct. And there's no need for it. When it's, it's you look in the mirror and, and, and you just self-reflect and really try to figure out who you are, you almost feel responsible for everything that's been going on where you're like, okay, well, what do I need to do? Because I'm here, it's, it's impossible that everyone else... That is correct. The problems. That is correct. When it's a re a repetitive issue for me. That is correct. What if we self reflect and actually identify who we are and and, and how to make ourselves the best as possible, which is the whole mission of this podcast mm -hmm. to really find that yeah. that healthy mindset, that healthy vessel for us to be a healthy individual in society in hopes to create those healthy relationships. But it all comes down to you. That is correct. That is correct. So now, um, and by the way, folks. This was not true for Marvin and Claudia, okay? They, not only did they score well, but they were willing to increase the good score that they had, and them still being together today in a healthy relationship <laughs> is testimony that they did the work. So please understand that we're only using them as an illustration. Yeah. And we're going to use uh, uh, Chris and Christine in another illustration here in just a little bit, okay? But this is exactly what you want to do in assessing the extent to which a relationship is either healthy or not healthy and whether or not it wants to become healthy. That's the kind of work that really gets done because, again, let's go back to the illustration. So let's assume for a minute that you and Claudia didn't score well, but then you said, you know, we really want to do the work. Yeah. Here's what I hear. Not only do you want to do the work, but given that you want to do the work and you're doing the work, you are not only positively impacting your relationship, you are 
positively impacting every relationship that you will breed, B-R-E-E-D, as a function of the companionship that you have. So that now when your children come into that relationship, they, in all probability, will experience secure attachment because both of you are now secure. And given that you are the primary caregivers, they cannot not be secure. That's that. That right there is the power of these kinds of things. That's the kind of work that needs to be done on the front end because when you build the solid foundation, you can go up and up and up. Yeah. Social security, I keep saying social security. Social, security. social, social intimacy. intimacy, emotional intimacy, financial intimacy. Yeah. Financial one. intimacy. And it is probably the one that gets the least amount of attention. Yeah. And it needs the most. Here's the reason why it needs the most. Over these many years that psychologists have been surveying individuals about marriage satisfaction, particularly when it comes to separation and divorce. Financial, financial reasons, they're always in the top three, more often than not. Yeah. The number one reason people separate in divorce is finances, finances. So let me explain a couple of things here. Number one, here in America, about 50% of all first-time marriages end in divorce. Many of those individuals will remarry, and a percentage of those who remarry will subsequently divorce at a rate of 65%. And of those who divorce from their second marriage, a percentage of them will remarry and ultimately divorce at a rate of 75%. And almost with that trajectory that you're saying, there's almost a straight line when you look at the reasons they give for separation and divorce. Number one, finances. Let me share something else with you in reference to finances. Whether it's finances, communication, or sexual intimacy, usually those are the top three reasons individuals give for separating and divorce. They all spell one thing, selfishness. Selfishness. So when individuals separate in divorce over sexual intimacy, someone is saying, I'm not getting enough sex. Or the other one is saying, they, the other person wants too much sex, and I just can't take it anymore. Hmm. Selfishness on somebody's part. When individuals separate in divorce because they say there's a breakdown in communication, it's selfishness. Someone is not telling me what I want to hear. They're not telling me what I need to hear. Yeah, They're yeah, not yeah. doing what I tell them to do. Selfishness. And then number one, when they separate in divorce over finances, it's selfishness. Well, he's spending all of the money or he isn't giving me enough or she's spending all the money or she's spending it with her family or she's spending it in ways that it ought not to be spent. Or selfishness, selfishness. But finances, every survey generally, is the reason. Why is that? Why is that? Because we continuously buy into this idea that if we love each other, we're going to work it out. This is not true. Yeah. This is not true. This is not true. And so one of the things that you all underwent in that course of study is I provided you with an Excel spreadsheet where you had to sit 
um, with your partner and work out a budget. No, I did not ask them about their income and their expenses, nor would I ask you that. That's none of my business. That's none of my business. But the Excel spreadsheet is set up in such a way that you enter your income and then line by line by line expenses, and then in the end it automatically calculates for you what your outgoing and what your remainder is, and do you want to put it in an investment, and if so, at what amounts. But that is the kind of tough work that needs to be done. Why? It costs to live. It costs to live. And so when we take charge of dealing with finances first and foremost, because because it's such a a, a, a necessary subject, and and because we cannot avoid it on a day-to-day basis, take care of that first, and every little thing is going to be all right, so to speak. So that financial intimacy really has to be there. So now we've looked at social intimacy, emotional intimacy, and financial intimacy. One of the other intimacies is intellectual intimacy. And it cannot be overlooked. It cannot be overlooked. Once again, when love becomes the primary measure by which we assess the quality of the relationship, it falls flat. It falls flat. There are individuals who are just not compatible intellectually. Intellectually. And where you find more disharmony than harmony, where you find more discontinuity than continuity in intellectual um, harmony and settings, it's just going to be a challenge. Now, most people in the society... They are average. So when you look at the bell curve, most people, 68% of the population is going to fall right in the middle. You're going to have uh, a smaller part of the population fall in what we call the tail ends, uh, one or two standard deviations above or below the mean. And the problem isn't so much with the one or two standard deviations above the mean. Those are the individuals who are really, really bright. The challenge is going to be individuals who fall one or two standard deviations below the mean. Because in many instances, quite frankly, that's going to be some kind of cognitive impairment. But let's deal with that 68% that falls right in the middle. So there's a large proportion of individuals who can make a good match even on an intellectual level. Is it okay for someone to be one or two standard deviations above the mean where they're into? So the average intelligence is, 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 is 100, and, and, and not to get too statistical and technical here, but the standard deviation. So most people are going to hover right around about 100 on this scale. One standard deviation is going to be 110. Two standard deviation is going to be 120. But that 120 is going to be significantly different than the 100. Mm-hmm. It's going to be significantly yeah. different. Can those people have a great relationship? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they necessarily going to be able to communicate about the same kinds of subjects in the same way? No. And to what extent, then, does that interfere with a healthy relationship? It may not if either one of them, particularly the quote-unquote brighter person, says, yeah, I'm not really interested. Yeah, I know I'm bright, but hey, listen, I'm really more interested in 
because if I really need that level of intellectual stimulation, I can do it with my small group of friends. I can do it at conferences. There are ways that I can oh, do it. Saying, yeah. I simply need someone with whom I can have enough of a conversation that I don't have to be constantly stimulated at that level. Am I making any sense yeah, to you yet? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Right? Now, you're going to find that if there are two individuals who are at 110 or two individuals who are at 120, it's a given. That's a good match intellectually. Yeah. But those two individuals, while there is intellectual intimacy, there may not be social and emotional intimacy. Now, hear me on this. The intellectual intimacy is the more difficult one to try to increase. So if, you're, if your natural intelligence, and again, don't, don't run too far with this, okay? But if your natural intelligence is in that 100 range, there isn't too, too much that really can be done to get you to 110 or 120. Right, now, are you really going to notice major, major differences between the 110 and 120 and, and the 100? Generally not. Generally not. But that person at 110 or 120, the extent to which they might need intellectual stimulation, they're probably not going to find a large degree of it in that group of 100. And if they say, I really could get that somewhere else, you and I are most compatible on all of the other things that are of greatest value to me, then we're good. Then we're good, right? Now, there's spiritual intimacy. Spiritual intimacy should not be confused with religious similarity or religious um, um, intimacy. Spiritual intimacy is the extent to which a person believes that there is either a being or a purpose or an entity greater than themselves that they can rely on and trust and subscribe to. For some individuals, that's the God of heaven. For others, it can be a, another higher power of some kind. But where I tend to see challenges, if there are going to be challenges, is more religious intimacy and the lack thereof. So, for example, worked with a couple some time ago where gentleman was raised Catholic, and for him, his higher power was the God of heaven. He dated a young woman where, in the past, she was raised Catholic, but for whatever reason, she decided that for her, things were going to be more spiritual than they were going to be religious. And that was something that they really, really needed to work through. They did not do so successfully. And that became one of the issues that then brought that relationship to an end, which was a good end, by the way. Because had they moved forward, and one of the things we did was to create several scenarios with a child or two. And the question that I asked was, if you were to have offspring, would you allow this child to go to a church with dad? In the card game. Right? Yeah. Is it there? Yeah, it's a yeah. question that we've, <clears throat> yeah. that we've asked some. Yeah. And um, this young woman said, <clears throat> yes. 
Yes, it's nothing wrong with my son or daughter going to church with their dad. I have no issues with that. <clears throat> Sir, if you were to have offspring, would it be okay for your kids to go with their mom to her spiritual services? Nah, you know, I really don't believe in that stuff. Quite frankly, I don't think it's good for her. And so, I mean... I can think about it in time, and maybe I'll come around. No, sir, don't do that. Yeah. No. Because in all probability, wherever you are right now, that's going to get stronger, particularly when kids come along. Because we tend to be more protective yeah. of our kids, not only physically, but socially, emotionally, psychologically, intellectually as well. And they never really cross that hurdle. Now, that, that wasn't the only reason why they separated. There were several other challenges. The assessment was one of the major, major pieces. The attachment style inventory yeah. when that was assessed, right? There were high degrees. There were high degrees of insecurity on both of their part. And eventually this lady figured out that it had to do with her family of origin. And but what was interesting is she was low in security. Gentleman wasn't very high. But because of that, she became very anxious and then also demonstrated certain qualities of avoidance. He became very anxious. And so whenever she wanted to go somewhere and do something, he felt the need to always be her escort. This is a bad idea. Yeah. This is a terrible idea. So that that didn't work. So once again, social intimacy, emotional intimacy, spiritual intimacy, financial intimacy, and then finally physical slash sexual intimacy. And what I tend to ask is, for you to assess in some meaningful way the extent or the degree to which you are particularly physically intimate. Let's take sex out of the equation for a minute. And in the times that you're together, just sitting with each other or going different places, or whether it's with friends or by yourselves, but particularly by yourselves, just sitting in the house or the home or the apartment, do you really enjoy the person's company? Or is your mind somewhere else or you're hoping that they could be somewhere else? If that's the case... You're not physically intimate. You're not physically intimate. You do not enjoy that person's presence. And so for that reason, because what you need to understand is most of your time together will be physical rather than sexual. And given that most of your time is going to be physical, if you really do not enjoy physical intimacy, what's going to happen is your social, emotional, and, intimal, uh, and, and intellectual intimacy will suffer. And the extent to which they suffer, the relationship suffers. And when it suffers, there's a downward spiral. And the more it suffers, the faster it spirals downward. So the thing individuals really need to understand, and, 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 and that's why we say... In the first three to four months, you could know about these things. And then 
once you have those things figured out, you start building on that and growing it from there and then. You just get better. You figure out or you are guided and instructed on how to get better in the areas where you're good and, and get, get good in the areas where you're not so good. Does that make sense? Of course. That was a long answer to that question. But, that, <laughs> but thank you so much. I mean, there's so much depth to it, and, and we could sit here for hours again, like I said. But, um, you know, pe- like you, were, you, you made perfect sense because people overcomplicate things, and they say I have to be dating for two, three years to know if this is really for me. And it's like the reality of it is you can find out a lot about somebody in a short, short, short period of time. Very quickly. Know? So, which is, which is, which is preferable, which is recommended. And now that brings us to your cards, which facilitates that process. Correct? Yes. um, So we're going to wrap up. How much time do you have? Not much. Like, let's close when there's no more. So five minutes. Okay. So five minutes. So before I'm going to ask you two of our questions of the card game, but kind of one thing that I wanted to close off about the course that we did with you, it's, I just wanted to kind of, you know, say thank you for You're giving welcome. us the opportunity because Absolutely. I, I for one, and I hope I can speak for both of us, but it really did strengthen my relationship with Christina. Um, it really made me, it forced me to really understand and look deep into me to see what it was that I was really looking for and to see if she maybe gets checked off all the boxes that I guess I, that I needed Correct. for myself. And, and it kind of sounds like a kind of an, in a selfish way of saying it, but at the end of the day, we're all looking for, you know, that right person that's going to be that companion for us. But allowing myself to understand what it is that I needed for myself to be love. That is correct. Opened up the doors to really make me love my girlfriend so much Good more. for you. To the point where I know the goal was me to marry in 12 months. Obviously, um, we're not married, mm-hmm. but... It's, I guess there's other factors tied to that sure. because, you know, there's the financial piece. What does she want? All these extra things. Sure. It's not cut and dry. Like, you of think course. it's like, oh, we of love course. each other. Pay uh, the court fees and you're good. You know, girls, you know, they have a different kind of. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She wants a big celebration. Yeah. So, you know, that big celebration, I guess that's where the meets married to 12 months. Sure. But the meets a celebration, it might take a couple of years. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. So with that being said, so I pulled out just a couple of cards just so you can get the idea of what it is that we're going for. So we're going to go with. Okay, this one is, okay, let's go with this one, okay? So, for you and your wife, okay, this is something you would ask, what's your favorite activity that we do together? So, in instances, you might think that, well, we always go to dinner, I thought you liked going to dinner, but maybe we don't really know because we never asked the question. That is correct. what's your favorite activity that you and your wife do together that you think? Yes, we really enjoy watching a movie together really enjoy because what it allows us is the physical intimacy it allows us to be emotionally safe and it allows us social intimacy and because we can be quite frugal we can make have a subscription to some Netflix, Hulu, whatever the case <laughs> is, and we can watch as many movies or programs as we want uh, relatively cheaply while also accentuating those other intimacies. Movies is one of the ways that does it for us. Wonderful. Now, you think she's going to say the same thing? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay, well, I guess we'll be able to ask her when you get of home. Of course. <laughs> so the last one we're going to ask you, then we can wrap it up. Uh, what's the accomplishment you are most proud of? Ooh, very good one. Very good one. 
And I think the one that my wife would say is, and it's true for me, the degree to which we have been able to integrate with our girls in a healthy way. Absolutely. So uh, just one quick example. Last week, last week, uh, Sunday, last week, Sunday, the girls came over. Uh, we had planned for them to come over on Saturday, um, but Samantha had to work, and she said, can we postpone until, uh, actually, the plan was for them to come on Sunday. And she said, can we postpone until Monday? It's a holiday anyway. Not a problem, not a problem. Come on over. And so Dad fixed barbecue ribs, baked macaroni and cheese, um, steamed green beans, along with some candied yams. Spread was there. All right. The girls come over. We sit for six hours straight and just talk about because a part of the idea was come over, let's talk about your goals, dreams, and aspirations for 2024. Let me know where you are in your thinking. What do you need help with? What do you need guidance on? And the girls will always call for, hey, Dad, I'm thinking about this. Hey, Mom, I'm thinking about this. Do you have any particular thoughts or feelings about this? But we wanted to get together. Mind you, we had just done vacation 10 days, I mean 11 days together over the holidays. But this was different because we had a number of family members involved in that. But it's commonplace for the four of us to get together, have a meal together, and just enjoy each other's company. For me, that is the pinnacle. That is the very pinnacle of family. Just being able to be in, be in that space of only for a short period. But while you're there, once again, physical intimacy, social intimacy, emotional intimacy, yeah. intellectual intimacy. And what are we talking about? Financial intimacy. Making sure that those girls, they have a budget in place and their plan is already set up for 2024. Family for us. Spending time with those girls is of our greatest. We think that is our greatest accomplishment. I love that. That is a home run of an answer, and that's exactly how this game is supposed to be played. It's that's not right. just a quick answer. It's explaining and really diving deep and understanding in order to nurture the relationship that you're in because that's how we really identify what it is that we truly love because your answer may be the same as your wife, but there might be some answers in some of the questions that they don't align, and you're that like, is correct. what? That is correct. This is where we create the the questions. We, we create the conversations to really nurture the relationship and identify if this is really what we're looking for to really get to know the person on a deeper level. Kudos. Kudos to that. both of you. Thank Dr. You so Hasty, Dr. thank Hasty. you so, so much. It's been an incredible uh, experience to have you on, and um, I'll give you a verbal farewell because when I saw you today, this is like the third time we've seen each the fourth time we've seen each other. I gave you a hug and felt like I've seen an, an old friend. And, Thank you. And, and I really, if nothing else comes from this podcast, the fact that we've met, the fact that we, the relationship that we have now, and I'm, I'm sure Chris will join me in, is it, it's been so worth it. You're very and, kind. Thank um, you. I, there's a few people that I've met that have made such an impact on my life. And so thank you for that. Thank You're you very for much being welcome. you. Thank you for the things that you've in, uh, created in my life, the change that you've, you've um, started. I am uh, eternally grateful, and, and thank kind. you so much for, for being here today. 
So before we sign off, I do want to say myself as well. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, anyone in all walks of life, especially if you're in a relationship or thinking about getting into a relationship or you just feel like you're kind of a little bit lost and not sure what it is that you are looking for. Obviously, as you follow this podcast, we may be able to help align you to, with that. But if you're looking for a professional, an expert, the veteran elite coaching, we have Dr. Hasty here. Dr. Hasty, where can they find you? Thank you very kindly. Before I say where they can find me, let me let me let me just say thank you to 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 both of you for extending me the invitation. Um, I've said this in the past because it was true then and it remains true. Anytime you call, I will come. I think the work that you have done, the fact that you're still doing it, speaks volumes not only of your work but you do the work because of who you are. And I brag about the two of you and the quality of human beings that you are and the way that you have continuously grown and nurtured your relationship. Is it because those two drop-dead gorgeous women that you date, <laughs> is it because of them? In part, yes. Yeah. But it's also a huge part of who you are and the relationship. Here we go. The relationship that you have fostered over <laughs> many, many years. You are phenomenal. You will never know. You will never know what it really means to me. And so as much as I tell you, you're still not going to understand it, which is okay. But equally important, you'll never know. You'll never know the amount of seeds that you're planting out here in the greater public. I'm telling you, there are people that I'm hearing from constantly about your work and how they saw me on the coffee breakup and how they've started watching because of that. And those two guys, yeah, they're really handsome. Yeah, those guys are taken. But anyway, <laughs> uh, they, 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 people tell me how much they enjoy your work. So continue to do your work. Continue to do your work. Thank you, Doug. Thank you so much. You're very much welcome. By the, way, you, by the way, how's your book doing? Because you wrote a book which was phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you. you like that? Phenomenal. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't gotten a copy of that book, get the book because, it, I mean, Marvin and Chris both, I mean, they, they make themselves vulnerable, which is brave, which is brave. Yeah. Make themselves Absolutely. vulnerable of what they, what, they, what, they, what they experience in their own relationship. And just, I mean, it is such an easy read, but a meaningful read meaningful read that i mean there's great application that you can really draw on that so 100%. get that as far as these cards just from those two questions i don't know how they came up with it we'll get you a copy but but sure. but, but 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 they got some things figured out they got <laughs> some things figured out and so if they will allow me to mentor them i'm going to get them trained up now they will have to go to school and get a little training that's another day, another time. Yeah, another sure, time. I like the sound of that. If you're interested in getting in touch with me, there are a couple places that you can get me. One of the easiest and quickest ways really is by cell phone, 910-978-8667. If you choose to reach out to me by email, is S, hasty S as in Sam, H as in Harry, E as in Edward, A as in Adam, S as in Sam. T is in Tom, I is in Indigo, E is in Edward, at gmail.com. Email me, call me, text me, reach out to me. I will say this. We didn't have time to get into this, but another time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm planning to do a podcast myself. Yeah, you mentioned it. Right? Planning to do a podcast. So there'll be more information on this subject 
Uh, I'm going to invite these gentlemen to be a part of that podcast. We're going to partner because I want to see them get better and better and better in what they do. And given that, uh, without it sounding how it may sound, I'm going to have a particular draw on an audience. I want them to see how they can leverage that relationship and really benefit uh, from that. And so more about that to come. Uh, maybe the, by the next time I appear. Yeah, um, hopefully. We'll your, have to have your, you back. It'll be on much your... sooner next time. Of course. Yeah, we're established. Yes, yes. Of course. Yes, of sure. course. Although you're a difficult man to get a hold of. because I'm going to book you like six months in advance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like a celebrity it's with tough. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tough. Thank you, Dr. It's tough. So Thank you very kindly. It's been a pleasure, guys. Pleasure's mine. See you. Peace out, guys. Peace out. <laughs>